You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 185 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. What's happening in Gina world? Well, it's been a stressful week, Val. It's been a stressful couple. It's It's been an incredibly stressful 10 days. Okay. Um... So as you know, I've got two kitty cats, a girl and a boy, and they're yes, tiger they're and princess, tiger and princess named by my children, and they're uh, <laughs> they're they're elderly. So in 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 human years, they're probably approaching their eighties. Um, <laughs> this is the now, cats, yes, not yes. the children. Mm. No, <laughs> that would make mm-hmm. me like quite some <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so. Ten days ago, the girl, Princess, as she is known to do, she sometimes will head off and disappear for a day or two. She's done that mm. all her life, so we don't normally stress. But mm. she's getting quite old. She's had some issues, like she's uh, broken her leg, which we've repaired, Aww. and she's had some, you know, if you, she's got a bit of dementia and she's also deaf. Um, <laughs> right, and she's, like, get, getting on. She's still fairly – but but she's, she's getting old, right? And so mm. she disappeared. And d- day mm. one, I was like, oh, she'll come back. Day two – no, no, mm. she'll come back. Day three, mm. all right, where is she? And uh, mind you, at this time while she's missing, uh, we had a day where it absolutely like pelted down, like almost get the oh. ark kind of flooding all day, right? Oh. And then it would be 47 degrees. And then like it, there was all these extreme temperatures day four. No, no, she'll be back. She's probably just like, you know, at a neighbour's or somewhere, you know, and then Goodness. we kind of check in the calendar. Has she been gone this long? Yeah, yeah, she's been gone this long. I would and be then, beside myself. I know. I was really starting to worry because there was something that just didn't feel right that she would be yeah. away for this long. So day five, day six. So by day seven, uh, which was a few days ago, I oh had to sit my son down and say, look, uh, I don't think she's coming. And from like I've had cats all my life and like we've mm. had older cats and there, there'll be just one day where they just don't come home and what a cat mm-hmm. usually does is as they get older, they will go away to die. They will go away Ooh. and hide somewhere. I don't want to so, talk about this. I know, but this is what I had suspected and I'd sat down and told my son. My son said, it's not the case. She's coming back, Right. She's coming mm. back, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. And anyway, I did all this, you know, I was upset, Val, as you can yes. understand. And oh, like, my you know, goodness. And then, you know, every day I'd be looking, I'd be waiting, I'd be hoping, I'd, you know, ha- hear that familiar sound when they come home, or and there was nothing, mm. nothing, nothing. And it was at the point um, yesterday when I had just like, I finally I was ready to tell my daughter who doesn't live with me, and it's her cat, mm. I hadn't told oh. anyone yet, I just like, I I wasn't ready. I hadn't even told you, Val, because I just no, couldn't. And no. I was ready to make the call to her and say, hey, I've got something to tell you. And that was, I was planning that for today. All right, wake up this morning. Guess who appears? Princess. There, there she is. In oh, the my God. With the, like, what? 
what's the big deal? <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? And it's like <laughs> 10 days. And I was like, I was in shock. And I like, I kind of thought like, is it a dream? It was just like a bizarre <laughs> thing. But I guess you shouldn't give up, I suppose. Is oh, the my God. I'm so glad so she's back. Very stressful to like, you know, and very sad and uh, yes. to like almost uh, too good to be true. Very exciting. So I'm very, very grateful today. Oh, my God. She needs to be an indoor cat from now on. Yeah, I almost think she needs to be locked in for a little while and yes. never not allowed out ever again. Oh, my God. I, I would not know. I, I wouldn't. I'd be sick with worry. I'm glad you didn't tell me. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to tell you because I know you couldn't cope. No. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, my cats have been in my house and uh, – after that story, they're never going out again. <laughs> but yours, yours don't aren't allowed outside. You've got the Pope Mobile for yours. By the way, uh, anyone yes. listening, this is a podcast about photography, and yes. uh, we've got an awesome uh, interview coming up with uh, Frank Romano. So stay tuned. But that's um, right. But before yeah. we do that, we, like we to catch have up a first. <laughs> yes, yes, and we do have a question from Beth from Ottawa. And Beth has said, Instagram question, what are everybody's thoughts on having separate accounts for separate types of photography that you do? For example, I'm a pet photographer, but I also love macro photography. Should I separate the two? Is it best to separate your work or is it acceptable to keep everything under one account? That is a really good question. I know, Val. So I thought I'd throw this to you. What do you think? Oh, thanks, Gina. No worries. (laughs) I think that... If you do have separate accounts, it's very important to understand that you are feeding two separate beasts and it is actually very hard to do both effectively because you're diluting your energy, you're diluting your effort, you're diluting your focus. If you plan to from a business point of view, if you plan to earn money as a pet photographer and as a macro photographer, I can understand why you might want to do that. But I actually think that you could say pet photographer who also loves macro photography. And I understand in your bio, and I understand that you may not like your feed to have pets and then a ladybird or pets and then a photo of a flower. You know, it can get confusing or or not just confusing, but more to the point, it can be visually a little bit jarring. So what I suggest you do, if you don't want to feed two beasts, which I do not want to do, I would not want to do that, is I would still combine them. I would be frank to say pet, you know, I specialize in pet pet photography, but my, and my passion project is macro photography. But visually, you can still make it work by, say, having a color theme. So say for, you know, the month of January, you might have a mixture, but they all might be tonal with greens. And then the next month, so that when people are scrolling your feed, there is this natural, beautiful look that and cohesiveness that brings it all together. And so because I, I, think, I just think that – um, one of them is going to win if you actually combine them, whether you combine them or separate them, it, you'll actually end up just liking to posting one more than the other. And if you have separate accounts, one is just going to die a slow petering out death, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But if you do plan to make money from both and and you really want to forge ahead with both, sure, create two accounts, but it's like having two businesses or two children to feed as opposed to one child to feed. So just there's no right or wrong. It really depends on what your goals are. And, you know, you just need to be realistic about how much time and effort and energy you can spend on, on each of them. If you're doing it purely for your for just your own your own reasons as in you just want to look at your own feed and admire your own feed then hey do both do whatever you want but if you're doing it for business reasons yeah that's my that's my advice there you go good what do advice you think, Gina? uh so uh if you you put the work out that you want to get 
So put out, share the kind of photos that you want to be commissioned to do. So if you want people to hire you as a pet photographer or a macro photographer, then that's the work that you share. But it's going to confuse the pet photographer, the pet photography lovers who might be following you that you're trying to develop a relationship with if you're continually sharing photos of, you know, uh, spider webs and things like that. But you might want to combine the two loves. Why not do macro pet photography? Yeah, because people have spiders and ladybirds as pets. No, but you could macro of like, you know, a tight shot of a uh, a paw or, uh, you know, the claw yeah, a of a, you know, or, or the, the underside of a kitty cat's paw as a toe macro. Beans. What? They're called, to, they're, they're called toe beans. Is the, the under the pads toe yeah. beans? How do you spell mm. it? You know, toes because they're toes oh, oh, and beans, oh. like kidney is beans. That, is, that, is that actually uh, slang for them? No, they, it's your toes and they look like beans. It's not like I've never it's... heard that in my life, Belle. Where did you oh, get duh. that from? A uh, duh. <laughs> 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 duh. Where did you hear that? Ra. Right. And Ra, where did you? Ra, Ra, Ra is one of our podcast so producers, people, hello, by Ra. the way, everyone. <laughs> Uh, share with us where you got this term toe beans. Every, everyone knows they're toe beans. Hashtag uh, for the week has to be toe beans. <laughs> I'll have to find a way to. Uh, so, yeah, you could do macro, but I, I would probably uh, have, if, if they were really conflicting in styles, have uh, two separate accounts. But also you could have the like what you said, you put it in your bio, pet photographer who happens to love macro photography, coffee and, you know, toe beans, <laughs> which is a great name for a pet photography business. Toe beans, yes. Okay. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cute. <laughs> it's yeah, a great to Instagram it, account. If... Toby, let's see yes. who can have it. It's yours. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, that's a great uh, idea. Combine them potentially. Hope you find that useful, Beth. All right. So our interview this week is f- with Frank Romano. Now, Frank Romano joined uh, Gina's Gold Community about two years ago or or so uh, or maybe 18 months ago. I can't remember now. Yeah. Um, and I have been watching his shots just go from good to great to amazing to awesome. And I'm just so impressed by Frank's shots. Now, what I love about Frank's story is that he actually had this whole other career uh, earlier in life. He uh, was in his uh, he was in the corporate world. He worked for um, clients like Mercedes and Nike and Emirates and Nintendo and Black and Decker and so on. He's a specialist in sales and the customer experience, and he's like a corporate speaker and a workshop presenter. But he always had this um, interest and 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 part-time passion for photography. And Frank says that the, the defining moment or the turning point really happened one day a couple of years ago when he called Gina and asked if she could spend some time with him um, on a one-on-one workshop to go through photography, his camera, and how to use Lightroom, um, basics of post-processing, and that was the rest is history. Frank has since joined Gina's Gold Community, and if you want to uh, find out more about membership to the Gold Community, then just go to ginamilitia.com, that's M-I-L-I-C-I-A, and click on Join the Community. And he has also since then not only been in the Gold Community and contributed to the community, but also gone on, along with a couple of other members, um, gone on a trip with Gina to Sicily where they – they did a whole heap of photography and um frank's just an all-round cool guy isn't he gina he's an amazing guy and it's such an amazing story and i thought that this is like you know i i i as a, a 
As a teacher, having someone like Frank as a student, it's just so exciting because he put his mind to it and he's gone on and it was like, no, I just don't, I want to like not just learn how, but like go all the way with this. And it's the speed in which he developed as a photographer, which I was intrigued by. So I thought it would be great for uh, all the listeners to actually hear his story. Frank, by the way, is, and he doesn't mind me saying this, but uh, in uh, he just recently turned 60, I believe. So this is like uh, a later in life discovery for him. And so it's never too late to be uh, who you wanted to be. And and it, like he has all these fantastic stories about how he has applied his uh, particular learning techniques and uh, what he did to achieve this remarkable um sort of development now, in his photography. If you want to check out his photos, we'll of course have them in the show notes, which you'll find at ginamilitia.com, or you can go straight to Frank's website, which is frankromanophotography.com. And his shots are really fantastic. They look like they have been taken by somebody with decades of experience, not somebody who, you know, had an had an interest but then only really grabbed it a couple of years ago. Um, I love his shots. They're the lighting, the composition, the subject, the direction. I'm absolutely gaga over Frank's three chihuahuas. Yeah. And I'm desperate to meet them one day. In I think fact, he's I'm got desperate two, to baby. So- He's got got Brian and Jeffrey and then the third one I think is uh, his daughters as well. So in the family. (laughs) But they're no no real, but they're they're the (laughs) most well trained dogs in the world and uh, they're they're definitely an important part of his world. Yeah, but his uh, his stuff is amazing and he's a fantastic storyteller too. All right. Let's chat to Frank to Frank Romano. G'day, Frank Romano. How are you going? Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Gina. <laughs> so you're in Melbourne, Australia, right? I sure am. Okay. And so I have to ask you, Frank, before we start talking about any photography, in your bio there's a little bit <laughs> about like a previous life as a rock star, as a drummer <laughs> in a band. <laughs> Okay. I don't what? think there's anything there about me being a rock star. There may have been, you know, I don't think I was ever a star, but yes, I, I was a drummer in a band. Which band? Okay, so, uh, you know, when, when I left school, uh, the tender age of 16, because I'd, I'd learned everything that there was to learn. Um, so uh, I, there was one thing that I was good at, two, two subjects. Uh, uh, one was music and the other one was woodwork. So... Uh, I left school at age 16. I was highly illiterate, uh, poorly educated, but I was good at one thing, and that was drumming. You know, it was playing around with, uh, you know, saucepans and pots and pans. And uh, so when I left school, we formed a band. And uh, so that became my profession from a very young age. So for a period of about uh, eight years, uh, we played professionally. The band was called Cloud Nine uh, that later became renamed to a band called Taste. So, yeah, for a period of eight, uh, eight and a half years, we uh, travelled every uh, – this is the, uh, the the late 60s, early 70s. Right. So back in the days of uh, Billy Thorpe and it was just this, this you know, the Skyhooks, the start of uh, the Little River Band. Um, exciting times. And uh, for a period of about uh, seven months, uh, I was actually Johnny Farnham's drummer, you know, back in the days when he was singing Sadie and Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I think the Australian yeah. listeners will know who Johnny Farn- Farnham is, but for the the rest of the world, he's like a, a legend in the Australian industry who keeps making comebacks. He does his final tour and then he does another one, but uh, gr- great time. So I just just one small question about that uh, time. You always hear about the lead singer uh, getting all the girls. What's it like for the drummer? Is it is it <laughs> like does it work? Does it, how does it go in the order? Because I'm really always keen to know. Is it lead singer? Then is it bass guitarist? Then the keyboard? Then the drummer? Or it, it, does the drummer it, 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 ahead of the keyboard player? How does it work? Um, 
It's always the drummer first. The drummer first, Frank? <laughs> That's a big call, really. Depend, depending on how the drummer moves when he's belting that drum kit. Right. Uh, the interesting story about that, because I think it relates to what we're talking about here with photography, um, getting back to working with John, um, about you know five months into the tour, John called one day and said, can you meet me at the rehearsal studio uh, or at the venue uh, a couple of hours earlier? There's a few things I want to go through with you. And I said, sure. So the, 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 see, when we when we accepted the, the job to be Johnny's backing band, um, we, <laughs> we actually did it a little bit under false pretense because our agent called us one day and said, Frank, can you guys read music? And I, and I said, why? I didn't answer the question. And, and I said, why? He said, well, the floor show tonight, we were playing at the uh, um, the uh, Whitehorse uh, Inn in Whitehorse Road, Blackburn. And he said, the floor show tonight wants to know if you guys can read music because his regular band is not available. And uh, so if you can read music, you can do his backing. And I said, well, who's the floor show? And he said, Johnny Farnham. Well, of course, you know, my, my you know, it's gone, oh, my God, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for, you know, the, the number number one act in in Australia. Um, yeah. What an opportunity. So I didn't hesitate. I said, yeah, yeah, we can read music, knowing full well that none of us actually could. So I called <laughs> I called the rest of the band members and I told them what was going on. They said, but Frank, we can't read music. And I said, well, what's the problem? I said, you know, we can play music. Doesn't mean, you know, we have to read it to play it. And I said, look, you know, you guys wait here. I've got this sorted. So I got on a bus and I went up to Sydney Road, Brunswick, went into a record store and I bought every single uh, record that Johnny recorded, Sadie, Raindrops, It's Magic, <laughs> the whole lot of them. And we came back home and we sat and we listened and we played and we listened and we'd, we'd learned the songs exactly the same way as we played every other song playing it by ear. So and it sounded pretty good, but then one of the guys said, "Well, what about the other songs he's going to do? The ones that he, you know, uh, the covers." And I said, "Look." So I called his manager, and I said, "Look, uh, Daryl is it okay?" He's, his manager at the time was Daryl Samble, who actually discovered Johnny, and uh, he said, uh, "Can I come and pick up the the charts uh, for the show on Saturday night so we can rehearse them and conserve Johnny's time?" He said, "Sure." So I went down there, picked up the charts, and we came back home and we laid them out on the ground, and none of us could read a thing. It was all like. <laughs> May as well have been fly droppings on the paper. <laughs> and uh, so, but, but we, you know, we knew the other songs that he was going to play in the set, you know, so Blueberry Hill, uh, you know, uh, some Stevie Wonder tracks. So we learnt them all. And we actually then started uh, practising pretending to read music. So we, you know, bought some music stands, set the music up, and, and we actually we were playing, you know, and I was flipping, you know, sheets of music uh, pretending that I was actually reading the music. That was everyone else, but we couldn't. So Johnny arrived uh, at uh, my mother's place for rehearsals on Saturday morning and pandemonium broke loose because the senora next door told everybody that Johnny Farnham had come to my house. Uh, and, and my mum said, oh, Johnny Farnham had come to my house. Uh, and, uh, and and the lady next door said, you must be too joking. I said, no, no, not too joking. Anyway, he arrived and uh, there's about 50 people waiting out the front, uh, pandemonium. And... Um, yeah, mum had gone to a lot of trouble. She took the pla uh, plastic runner off the hallway. She removed the sheets off the furniture. <laughs> and and uh, so we went down into the garage and, and we began rehearsing. And Johnny said, what do you want to start with? I said, oh, well, let's start with uh, with Sadie. So away we went. And uh, so, again, we, 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 we went through the music and we were, you know, our eyes were focused on the, the, the charts. And he's gone, you guys are pretty good. And I said, look, thanks very much. See you tonight. So that night, um, you know, we did a pretty good job and his manager said, look, you know, we're doing a tour of Australia. How'd you like to join us? We'd like you to be the support act and then do Johnny's backing. So it goes back, comes back then to you about five months into the tour, Johnny called us and he said, uh, uh, the reason why I wanted to get together with you is I've been working on a couple of new songs and I'd like to incorporate them in, into the show tonight. Here are the charts. And he handed me the charts. <laughs> And talk about an awkward moment. Uh, this was one, of, I don't know if you ever saw the movie No Way Out. Well, there, there was no way out. I, I you know, handed me the charts and I looked at them and I've, I've gone, how do I get out of this? Because I had no idea. And, of course, the rest of the band members were just looking at me with a vain hope that I would have the answer, you know. And there was no answer. So I, I looked at Johnny. I said, look, <laughs> I'm really sorry to say this, but... We can't read music and we've just been getting by 
playing it by ear. And he appreciated our honesty, and uh, but the moment of truth arrived. And uh, so, you know, um, shortly after that came the end of uh, our career with uh, Johnny Farnham because he needed people who could read music. He needed proper musicians moving forward with his career. And we'd got to a point in, in our career where playing it by ear had uh, achieved a certain level. But what I learned and, and what I apply with photography today is that at the end of the day, um, everyone can get by playing it by ear and achieve a certain level of success. But ultimately, the moment of truth comes where you either know how to read music or you don't. And if you right. don't know how to read music, then you can never expect to be anything other. You, you can never expect to be outstanding. You might get by, but you'll never be outstanding. And I believe that that's, uh, that principle is applied in everything else that I've done since, um, uh, and, and certainly with photography. You know, you can get by playing it by ear. You can get by uh, taking a shot here and there. You can get by on, you know, intuitive uh, expertise. But sooner or later, um, you can never expect to be outstanding unless you know how to read the music. Music of photography, uh, yeah. and the music of photography is is quite complex. And uh, you know, there's the the technical side, the creative side. There's so much to learn. And, so let's talk about that, yeah. Frank. For so you started like very young. Your interest in photography started like when you were around fifteen. So that's. Uh, quite a long time ago <laughs> strangely enough it, it happened because we needed we needed a photograph of the band <laughs> so I said I've got this covered so I've got a um, I've got a bed sheet that we used as a backdrop <laughs> and a black and white camera that I, I think I borrowed from my father and and then I actually took the photo and then I thought well, you know I then started uh, developing them in, in, in you know the dark room that I'd built in the backyard so you've always had this uh, just say yes approach to life, Frank, where like someone asks you to do something, yeah, I can do that, and then you work it out um, after the fact. Is that right? Well, <laughs> look, I think it, yeah, I think it is. I've got this model that says, look, if it's possible in the world, it's possible for me. It's not a question of if; it's only a question of how. So yeah. if it can be done, I can do it. It's not a question of, you know, if I can do it, so you've got to work out how to do it. And I think that if you, you, you say yes and then figure it out how to do it, then, you know, you've made that commitment. And then, you know, if you, if you want it badly enough, you'll go figure out how to do it. Exactly. So, yeah. So in that 45 years, I mean, I, I've known you for almost uh, 20 years and I've always known you to be someone that uh, always had an interest in photography and always loved taking pictures and, you know, uh, so I work with uh, your beautiful wife, Judy, and uh, you, you would come to shoots and show me your, you know, <laughs> latest snapshots that you took uh, on, you know, somewhere overseas and it was always great but it, it's... Um, it was never great, Jen. Any of you being being too kind, it was, it was just they were just happy snaps. What is it that changed in your approach to photography? Because honestly, in the I've never seen anyone uh, develop so quickly and go from someone who was taking snapshots, which is what it was a couple of years ago, to being now like a pro photographer taking amazing images. What is it in your head? What changed? What what was what was the change in attitude that you said, right? I'm going to be uh, serious about this because it, photography was never your uh, day job. Job. It's not your main career. No. It's like, what is it that you do? It's like you, you're kind of a big deal in the business world, aren't you, Frank? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> um, look, I've spent the last 25 years as a, as a business coach, um, you know, been engaged uh, with major corporates ranging from Nike, Emirates Airlines, Mercedes-Benz, and my role is to coach people in um, in, in in, in understanding the structure of influence and how to create uh, working environments which uh, foster um, top performing teams and how to effectively um, uh, create a culture that strives for excellence. So, um, you know, this is what I've been working uh, on for, you know, for the past 25 years as my real job. Yeah. Um, but throughout that time, you know, I've always had other 
uh, you know, I've always believed that, you know, you, you go to work so you can enjoy life and do the things that you love doing. So, you know, that work provided me with the financial ability to be able to uh, pursue my uh, uh, my interests. And at that time or, you know, for the past 20 years, uh, golf was my thing. Um, I used to, um, you know, go to bed dreaming about golf shots and uh, I was totally consumed with uh, uh, achieving a level of, of expertise in golf. So I would uh, I would play at least once or twice a week. I'd be at the driving range um, once or twice a week. Uh, if we were going on vacation, it would only be if there was a golf, you know, if golf was involved. If golf wasn't involved, then we're not going there. Um, and... When I began to play golf, I, I, you know, from the outset, I knew I, I didn't want to be a hacker. You know, some people go, oh, I'm, I'm just a hacker. Well, I thought, well, no, I'm not going to. If I'm going to look, you either do or don't do. And I thought, look, if I'm going to play golf, then I'm not going to be satisfied until I get down to single figures. Right. Uh, as a hand. And that's a good thing in golf, isn't it? Right. I don't play golf. I well, don't understand absolutely. it. But like, you want to be in single figures. That's your handicap, that's your right? Handicap. So I, I went from 36, which is, you know, lose 24 balls every time you play, um, <laughs> to uh, uh, six, which is, uh, um, you know, not easy to do and, and not easy to maintain. Because, but then things got. Things got very, very serious. Then, you know, every shot counts, every mistake counts. You, know, you become incredibly critical. And I, I woke up one morning and I thought, I'm done with this. You know, I, I've just invested, you know, 20 years of my life being obsessed with this game of golf. And, you know, I can't imagine the amount of money that I've spent and the hours that I've consumed on this passion. And what have I got to show for it? You know, it's just been a, a, just a, you know, an indulgent, self-indulgent hobby that's uh, that's kept me amused. But uh, I got to the point where I just didn't enjoy it anymore. And I thought, well, if I'm not, if I'm, if I don't enjoy it anymore, and uh, then it's time to do something else. And it was really, you know, it was a godsend because that then just totally opened the door because I knew exactly what to replace that passion with, and that, and that's obviously photography. Because now, at least, you know, what I'm doing now, in you know, in 20 years' time, is going to have some meaning. There is going to be a legacy. I, I will have something to show for it. Uh, with golf, uh, what I've got to show for. It is a um, a damaged back, sore knees, <laughs> and uh, many frustrating moments. So, when you were doing your photography early on over the years, like you know, from from being that fifteen uh, year old kid that uh, ha- you know built the own, did their own darkroom, to like obviously all the family trips that you did, being out there and taking the shots. Tell me about. Like how you felt, because obviously you've got an idea of what excellence is. When, when so you knew what a good photo was. Was it frustrating to sort of never be able to get exactly what you saw in your mind's eye? And and how did that change for you? Yeah, you know, Gina. Uh, thinking back, I really didn't know what it meant, and. You know, what I thought was you you go out and you buy the most expensive camera that you can afford and you put it on auto and you capture moments. But I didn't have the the critical eye that I have today. I didn't have the photographer's view. Uh, uh, I didn't have that mind's eye. I I just wanted to capture – it was a snap, so it was. They were holiday snaps, but they they weren't serious. And yes, I can look back at the you know four thousand photos. Actually, I'll tell this another story. I can look back at the four thousand or so photos that I've got from them and say, look, you know, there's some great photos there, but they were, but they were they weren't planned. They weren't executed in a in a way that uh, was creative. They were just take the camera out and take a shot, Frank. Right, which is very, very different to to, to, to what it is today. And you know, uh, I, I then went back. You know, over the last couple of years, I went back to those in, at the time eight thousand photos that I had taken and deleted about four thousand of them. I thought, well, that's junk. Well, that's crap. Well, that's useless. Well, that's what. What did I take that for? That's out of focus. Damn, boom, four thousand photos just went boom and uh, vanished. Wow. And uh, so I'm left with about three and a half thousand now that uh, are kind of worth keeping. <laughs> so, yeah. 
so again, I just thought, you know, go buy yourself a, 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 a get yourself a good camera, put it on automatic, yep. and take photos. Yeah. And and so, what was it that um, what was it that you decided that now it's time I want to be a better photographer? Was it like to replace the the golf? Well, look, you know. Um, oh, on a practical level, you know, I love photography because it fulfills my need to have a passion, a motivation, and a challenge. You know, mm-hmm. I love to pursue a challenge that can never be mastered. See, I believe that photography is a life journey and, and it's not a destination. You know, it's the pursuit of excellence with the knowledge that it can never be achieved. You know, as a photographer, there is always the next step. There's always something new to learn. There's always something new to master. Um, on an emotional level, I love photography because it provides me with an intense gratification of a feeling, you know, a way of capturing and sharing my life story. You know, it allows me to, to document my life along with the lives of people and things that matter most to me um, in a way that's memorable. So, you know, I, I feel intensely motivated to know that when I'm no longer around, um, so, you know, some of my images hopefully uh, are going to be framed and hanging on my children's, my grandchildren's and, and great-grandchildren's walls. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's what's motivating me now. And, and, the, and the change came when, um, well, you know, two years ago uh, when I was uh, uh, with you uh, at, at the, uh, the tour in Sicily. When right. I, that, that was uh, the, the, the fuse was well and truly lit then. Um, and, well, actually it happened before then. It was when, 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 I, when I called you and, and you were gracious enough to, to humour me and we, spent, uh, and we spent a little time, um, about an hour or so, uh, I think we were down at Docklands or something taking yeah. photos of the wheel and something magical happened that night and, uh, you know, uh, when you just showed me two or three things, my mind just went, Boom, and I just said, "Yeah, this is this this is it. Away we go." And um, the flame's been uh, roaring ever since. Yeah, it was a, like I, I remember that night because it's like I had asked you, uh, Frank, do you shoot on manual? And I think you were like, "No, no, I just uh, <laughs> auto, and uh, I don't really uh, need to. The camera does a, a good enough job." And I'm like, "But do you know all the things that you can change when you shoot in manual mode?" And I think I, I showed you a couple of demonstrations. I think we did a, a long exposure, and and then um, we did a couple of other things, but. Uh, the, what was great about working with you is you like you're such a great student and it's like what what you've achieved in the last uh, the the speed in which your work changed uh, was just just incredible and i think the approach that you've taken is something that uh many of the listeners can can adopt as well and and learn from you and um that was one of the main reasons i um wanted to get you on the show because I think that what what you do uh, could be easily applied and, um, you know, you can see a, a rapid change in a very short amount of time. So what 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 is, like, t- tell us about your approach because you it is a lot of hard work but it, it's easily achieved and it's not like you had, you, you know, you have been doing photography for a long time, but really it's only in the last two years that you've really um, applied yourself, like using um, the way that you learnt to play golf or master the golf. So so what is it, what was has been your strategy over the last two years to get you from shooting uh, holiday snaps to now you're doing uh, corporate corporate headshots, lifestyle photography, advertising, uh, all sorts of amazing shots. What did you do? Well, I'm an all or nothing guy. So if I'm going to do, then I'm going to do. Okay. There's no. There's no. There's no. I'm going to try. There's no halfway point. It's. It's making the commitment that okay. You know. This is something. And. And 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 the sooner the better. So some of the uh, 
you know, some of the learning models that I've adapted from my my other professional uh, 25 years of uh, the corporate world was, you know, first of all, I had to sit, I used the model intention, attention skills. Okay. So the first question you've got to ask is what's your intention? What, what, why do you want to do this? What's the intention? And, and, and once you've answered that question, well, the intention is to, be, to become a meaningful photographer, to do something that's, that's worthwhile, to, to not just take photos, but to take incredible photos because and you've got to be you've got to be you've got to relate to that what do you want and why do you want it so my intention uh, is to um, again be uh, believe it or not is to uh, uh, to be outstanding uh, as a photographer that's my true intention so in that instance we then say okay well, where do I need to focus my attention well I need to focus my attention on all of the things that are going to be required for me to achieve that intention and then the third area is skills okay so in order to achieve that intention I, I need skills and I need lots of skills and I need them fast um, so you know I uh, I'm a voracious learner uh, so mm. I would spend, you know, I get up at six, uh, you know, six six thirty every day, and I would spend at least half an hour to an hour every day uh, learning uh, some mm. some skill, either a technical skill, a creative skill, uh, online listening to, uh, or you know, going through your uh, your tutorials. I've been through your tutorials many many times, again mm. and again and again. Um, so. So it's 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 really a, uh, identifying you know, and I think there's a lot of people out there that you know aren't clear. Well, you know why why are you actually doing this? What's your intention? And they're not totally focused and committed on that. But if you're totally focused and passionate about achieving that intention, then you'll focus your attention on those areas and and you'll you'll uh, achieve or you'll go looking for the skills. So I, I you know I asked you uh, at the time I, I said you know so so where to from here where do I go and you said uh, well look you know you there's there's lynda.com well you know I, I went straight home and, and signed up I didn't yeah. I didn't think about it. you know I just went straight home went to lynda.com and boom you know and uh, paid my subscription and and just countless, countless, countless tutorials. It was it was amazing. You know, Chris Orwig uh, taught me a lot uh, on um, on on photography and Lightroom and Photoshop. And you know, the, you know the, there's no shortcut. The only time that uh, success comes before work is in the dictionary. So you've just got <laughs> to do. That's I've never heard that. That's good. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, you know, it's a bit like you either know how to read the music or you don't. Start reading the music, start learning how to read the music, and uh, and then success will come. The second model I use, which I think is really useful and helpful, is what I call the ultimate success formula. And you can apply this to any area of your life, um, you, you know, personal, professional. But in, in the context of photography, the ultimate success formula, I, I love applying this because uh, th there's four steps. And, and step one is to know your outcome, um, know your outcome and your intent. So, okay, so let's just say that my outcome is to take a particular, you know, great photo, you know, a great image. Um, so you take action, you know, you, you, you set your camera, you set your lights, you do whatever you have to do, you, you, you take the shot. Now, the great thing about photography is that you will never take a bad shot. There's no such thing as a bad shot in photography because step three in the formula says there's no such thing as failure, only feedback. And mm. you know what? I love taking bad shots. <laughs> I do because... I then look at that shot and I back up to an ass-kicking machine and I look at what I did and I think to myself, well, of course your focus is out because of this. Have a look. So you're getting all of this feedback um, on, on, and it's instant. So, yeah. you know, what I would say to anybody out there, you know, th there's no such thing as a bad photo. Um, it's just feedback. So if it's not what, if it's not what you want – 
So if it is what you want, then great. You know, uh, you should celebrate that. You should uh, uh, replicate that. You should uh, keep doing that. But if it's not what you want, then you go to step four, change your approach as needed. So if, if, if the photo didn't come out, or if you didn't achieve the results, then you, you have to change something. So you either have to start adding lighting, taking away lighting, uh, take a look at your, your focus settings, take a look at your, at, at your camera settings, do something different. And if you keep repeating that model, then you must be successful. You cannot fail. So, um, you know, that's the, the beauty about photography. Again, you know, you, you, you get immediate feedback on, on, on your ability to take meaningful, uh, meaningful photographs. With your um, photography in the early days, what was the early frustration for you? What was it when you took the photo? Is it that you didn't know enough about the process or like didn't know what was possible or like what, what did you uh, find the most frustrating and what kept you from shooting in manual mode and kept you in auto in those early years? Great question. Awesome question. So let's go back to when I was a drummer. There was a time, um, so I, I was playing it by ear. You know, you, you'd sit on the drum kit and you know you'd listen to other great drummers and you and you try and replicate that, you know, by feel mm. by ear. And, and, and there was a time when um, uh, I thought, look, let me go get some drum lessons. So I went and paid money and sat there and it was boring as all hell. You know, you'd sit there and you go tap, tap on a, on a rubber pad mm. uh, and then you go tap, 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 left, right, right, left, 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 right, uh, paradiddles, dun, 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 uh, triplets, dun, 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 dun. And, I, and I'd leave totally uninspired. I think, let me just go. I just want to play. Just let me play. Um, so it's in answer to your question, it's just easier to put your camera on auto and start shooting. Just let me let me just take photos. <laughs> this whole nonsense of you know f stops and ISOs and uh, you know shutter speeds and, and everything else. Wow, it's just too hard. Right. Uh, too confusing. Wow, so much to learn. But again, uh, you can only get so far playing it by ear. So, so in answer to your question, yeah, it was uh, it, for many people. You know, I believe that eighty percent who of people who go and buy DSLR or you know um, digital cameras um, go buy them and then put them on auto because they, they, they it's this this it's like sitting somebody in an aeroplane and say fly the plane. Yeah. And go well, has it got automatic pilot? You know. So. <laughs> Uh, it can be incredibly uh, confronting. It can be uh, daunting, and yes, I I was in in a total state or learning curve of total uh, you know conscious incompetence. I mean, I just knew that I didn't know. And yeah. uh, but once once you unlock the doors, once you start to uh, 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 trust yourself and you start to actually use the camera the way that it's designed, um, it, it, it just becomes incredible. It, it becomes amazing. And, uh, you know, I don't know what every switch on the aeroplane does just yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting pretty close to it. So you started backing yourself and and seeing what was possible, and I think the uh, the real turning point for you, Frank, came when you realised that um, uh, pre visualising your images and pre planning um, was uh, really important. And and I think I saw the leap there in your work, where suddenly you didn't take it um, by chance. It's like you wouldn't just turn up somewhere and point the camera and shoot. You started planning the shots and I think I, I can remember on one of the workshops uh, in, in Sicily where there was uh, a guy sitting on a bench and you, you had started I think shooting um, 
photographs of uh, people with their dogs mm. and you'd said to me, oh, geez, that old guy, I wish he had a dog that would make the best photo. And I said, there's a dog over there, Frank. Why don't you just bring them together and uh, set the shot up? And he's like, oh, you can – and you said you can do that? <laughs> I said, why not? So we, we coaxed the dog in. Do you remember this? I can't. And, and got, got it next to the old guy and uh, you took your first, uh, I think, staged portrait at that point and uh, I, I could see how wrapped you were and then I could see the uh, the mind going from there and it's like, well, here's what's possible. You did it the first time. It was maybe, uh, I think, directing the first time is a bit nerve-wracking, but it gets easy. Easier, doesn't it? Look, it's fair. Yeah, it, it does. And, and, and certainly what you said before is, is true. Uh, I've become very, very different in my approach. Uh, you know, my philosophy now is that, you know, wh- what the mind harbors, your camera captures. Um, so, you know, you've got to take the picture in your mind first and it's got to be, it's got to be a great photo in your mind, uh, before you, you, before you even take the camera out of your bag, you know, for me, a great photograph now for me, it needs to make you feel something, you know, uh, more importantly, you need to make your audience feel something, you know, you need to move them, um, get a reaction, um, that's that's the starting point to great photography for me now. You know, a great photo ne- needs to tell a story. It speaks to you. Um, the most powerful pho- photographs, um, you know, ha- have captured a defining moment, uh, a defining emotional moment, you know, whether that be joy or sadness or love or inspiration, but a, a moment of life that, that we can all relate to. So, you know, hence the reason why, um, you know, landscapes just don't do it for me anymore. Uh, right. You know, I don't care about landscapes. You know, you can go on Instagram and see, you know, thousands of landscapes and they're all wow, 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 wow. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, so what? Um, it, it reminds me of a uh, one of my colleagues, Marvin Oka. You know, he was a, he, you know, he actually won the world champion uh, sleight of hand magician competitions in in Hawaii um, at the age of eighteen, and he was doing a show one night uh, in front of this audience, and he did this amazing card trick. You know, it was just like he's he's he, he's uh, uh, top top uh, trick that just like took years to perfect. And he's in, in this audience, and, and, he, and he does this uh, card trick, and it, you know everyone was applauding except for this one lady who was sitting right at the front, and she was just looking at him. And Marvin looked at her, and with a, an inquisitive sort of look on his face, and the lady looked at him back, and she just said, "Yeah." So what's your point? And that changed Marvin's life. And, it's, and, and when he shared that story with me, it changed my life. So now it's like, okay, look, incredible colours, incredible this, incredible, yeah, but, but what's your point? So unless a photo is has a point to it, then what's the point? You know, it can, it can be technically brilliant. It can have the, all of the, 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 the components that the, the, the great photos have, but... What's the point behind it? And, then, and so now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very, very critical, or becoming far more critical um, of, of what I shoot, why I shoot it, and uh, unless there's a, a point to it, then I'm probably going to leave it alone. And just, just on that, Frank, with your uh, photography, when you're out there doing your uh, professional gigs now, you, you've got a great working relationship with a, a another podcast listener and uh, active member of the podcast community, Andrew Mack, uh, and uh, he's just been assisting you on gigs. I love that you guys have found each other and have this uh, really lovely working relationship together, and I think there's been a, a few others that have developed uh, out of the podcast, which is so cool. So how does that work? Uh, like, it seems like you, you guys uh, get on like a house on fire, but and, and also respect each other, obviously, and uh, collaborate on, on shoots together. How does that all work? Well, again, I, you know, Gina, uh, great question. And, you know, again, it's part of what I believe to be a very important strategy. What I say to people uh, when you're pursuing any any field or any endeavour is go and find yourself an unreasonable friend. 
Um, and Mac is my unreasonable friend and, um, and, and vice versa. See, an unreasonable friend is one that will not uh, put up with mediocrity. Oh. So, so, you know, we've got an agreement that if I think his work is crap, I'll tell him. Right. And vice versa. So there's no mincing around. There's no, oh, well, that's nice. It could have just been better. Listen, there's no failure, only feedback, but it's important to get feedback. And all too many times, you know, when people people's photos are being critiqued, we're, 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 we're sometimes afraid of hurting people's feelings. You know, I'd rather someone tell me straight. I'd rather someone say, listen, listen, that's, you know, the, 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 the perspective is all wrong. The lighting is wrong. That's not, you know, that's okay. But that's not there. What, what, what were you thinking there? The focus is out. Frank, ordinary photo. You can, you know, you're better than that. Um, and, and I think that that's, uh, you know, Mac does that for me. And, and I do it for him. If I think that his work is uh, below, you know, the standard that I believe he's capable of, then he knows uh, that, that I'll be, I'll be, you know, very, very frank with him. <laughs> <laughs> I expect the same from uh, back from him. And and so my advice would be to, yeah, uh, go and find yourself an unreasonable friend uh, who, who who you can work together with, who who you trust. And, uh, you know, Mac and I, uh, as I said before, he's not, you know, he's not my assistant. We work in collaboration. And when we're doing corporate work, he, uh, you know, I, I may, you know, figure out the perspective I want to use and the equipment I want to use. But then, you know, he'll always, always, um, um, you know, have his input in terms of, you know, lighting and uh, and anything else that uh, that is going to ensure that we both succeed as a team to deliver the client the quality of work that uh, that they deserve. I think that's a great idea and I think maybe a lot of the listeners could probably uh, look for someone who's in the area that they can collaborate with on the same thing and even if it's just working together on folio shoots, like it might be that someone has all the lighting gear, someone else has the the camera gear, you can work together to uh, create something amazing and, and pull the resources as well. Um, now, Frank, you've been an active member of my goal community for for the last couple of years, what what has been uh, some of the highlights of uh, being in that community for you, and what would you say to uh, other uh, community members like the podcast community that might be on the fence about considering whether they should join or not? Cool. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's something else I want to say in terms of you know um, uh, getting. You ask the question, how do you get from A to B in such a short space of time? Um, th- there's the the passion, the motivation, um, and the and the desire, and the unwavering commitment to to achieve to for achievement. And failure is not an option. So there's that attitudinal side of things. But with that, the, the other thing that you know, <laughs> it's going to cost you money. Okay, make no mistake about it. Education costs money. And free education is free for a reason. And education that you pay for, you pay for for a reason. So, again, what do you, you know, there's there's a price to pay for everything. And if you want outstanding tuition, if you want outstanding information, then you cannot expect to get that for free. So I would say, you know, I, I have spent thousands, literally thousands of dollars, um, you know, in, in, in not just being a member of the gold community, but in, in you know, lynda.com, I've purchased, uh, you know, online uh, programs. I've purchased downloadable programs from various gurus that have been incredibly useful and helpful. So um, your gold community is top of the class. You know, it, 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 it's, 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 world-class learning and you're so generous and you're brilliant at the way that you explain things. So I got so excited about it. Again, I went and, I went and got a second screen. So what I'm able to do is I'm, I'm able to watch your tutorials on my right-hand screen whilst I'm actually editing and working on my photos uh, on, on the other screen. So, you know, uh, again, you cannot expect to achieve and 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 uh, get to where you need to be without 
acquiring the skills. And uh, so you've actively got to acquire the skills. But again, I, uh, even in my in my previous career, I knew that I had to invest. There was time, Gina, where I was making $300,000 a year right. in income. But I knew for me to get to the next level in my career that I had much more to learn. So I actually took a year off and went to school and my income went from 300000 to zero for the next year and a half. Right. But that's the price that you've got to pay. So, you know, if you really want <laughs> to develop this 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 passion and the skill, then paying whatever it is, I think, I, I think, you know, I don't even know what the gold member for years, but whatever it is, it's crazily, you know, it's an investment and, Listen, you can't afford not to. So if you want to be a great golfer, you've got to go and you've got to go and pay for golf lessons. If you want to be a great musician, you've got to go and pay for music lessons. If you want to be a great photographer, well, there's a price to pay. And uh, and it's not a lot compared to what you're going to get back. I've already <laughs> I've already rec- recouped the money that I've invested in learning, I've got that back at least ten times over. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah, yeah. That's just on, great. Just on the work that I've done. I mean, you know, people engaging me and, and paying me thousands of dollars to, to you know, yeah. to, and, and shoot stuff. That never would have happened if I didn't invest my money in things such as the gold membership. Fantastic. And, like, on – on that learning curve for you, Frank, a, a lot of people struggle with finding um, when, when they're starting out, finding the right subjects to photograph. And I often recommend that you go ahead and buy yourself a, like a styrofoam head and practice your lighting on with that, you know. But you took that one step further and you, you um, enlist the help of your two dogs, uh, is it Jeffrey and Brian, which I think the podcast listeners and members of the uh, Facebook group will be familiar with that they're the most, they're the best behaved dogs in the world truly and you've done some incredible images with those guys and I think that's a, a great way to learn lighting I think getting a dog would also be a, a worthwhile investment to someone learning photography would you agree <laughs> I love Brian and Jeffrey. Um, I know you do. You can tell. <laughs> um, look, yeah, I'll shoot anything, you know. Uh, but yes, uh, Brian and Jeffrey are always willing, uh, willing models. And, and the great thing about them is that you can put them in different situations. You can put them in natural light situations. You can get them running. You can get them sitting. You can then uh, sit them up on a bench and, uh, and and set up all of your lighting around them. They they make for great models. So there's always there's always that moment where you can practice, practice, practice. And I've got the polystyrene head as well that I use sometimes uh, with 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 Brian and Jeffrey. But the important thing is that um, you you know do whatever it takes. Just do whatever it takes uh, because the the payoff is huge. The, the personal gratification and the feeling that you get is is just amazing. Uh, well, it is for me, and I, and I hope it is uh, for the people listening to this podcast because I'm sure that. Um, Everyone um, who, who would be listening to this podcast would be listening to it because they've got uh, ambitions to take their work uh, or take their photos to another level. Fantastic. And I think on that note, uh, Frank, we'll leave it there. And uh, I want to thank you very much for your time. And we'll definitely uh, be looking out for uh, all your amazing images. Thanks again, Frank. My pleasure, Junior. Thank you. How cool is Frank? What awesome stories. I love the fact that he bluffed his way into becoming John Farnham's drummer. And for our overseas listeners, if you're not sure who John Farnham is, he's basically a really uh, high-profile Australian singer. Um, oh, my goodness, what a <laughs> what a bizarre yet cool thing to do. Yeah. I love also how Frank believes in – just thinks it's so important to invest in your education because there's only so much you can learn from uh, free YouTube videos, isn't there, Gina? And That's I think right, that yeah. uh, he's he's really fast tracked his um, his skills, the development of his skills, because of that attitude. 
Yeah, and it is. I mean, look, you, you can have all the great teachers and yes, that will take you to a certain level as well. But, you know, you've got to give credit to Frank to for putting in the, uh, the the work that he's did and he's so passionate about the work. So, you know, full credit to him. I think he's done an exceptional job and I do uh, love looking at his work and I can't wait to see, uh, I can't wait to watch him fly. It's just, uh, it's just so exciting and so satisfying to, to see something like that. It's a, amazing absolutely amazing all right so what are you up to in the coming week Gina all right so I've got to lock the cat inside and make sure that she doesn't get away and uh so I've got uh a few tutorials on the go I'm about to uh head overseas so I'm getting organized for that and uh what else am I doing a couple of lifestyle shoots what about you Val what are you doing What am I up to? Okay, well, last week we talked about how I was casting for a shoot that I'm producing. So that's all done, which is good. So what I'm doing this week is I've got my eye on a particular location. And so – and I've been there, but what I really need to do is kind of – just document it as in determine how many shots I'm going to be doing in each little set kind of thing because it's – You're good at that, Val. You're really good at it because when we did our shoot up in Avalon uh, at mm. the end of last year, you pre-scoped out all the locations for me and you like every one we used, every one of them. I think well, I added a couple when I got there yes. but I used all of your locations. Yeah, well, I, I find that quite fun and one of the things I need it to be efficient so I need it to because um, I need a controlled environment without noise and therefore I'm shooting indoors. So I have done quite a bit of research to find one f- uh, the floor of one building that's going mm. to have – a, no noise, yeah. B, lots of different sets. So I, I need to go there basically and work out how many sets I've really got. I want to try and maximise the number of sets because I want to get lots of different – I want it to look like we're in lots of different places basically yeah. and match it with – because it's video what the person is going to say. So that's mm. going to be this week. Excellent. You're so organised. Right. And you know your phone, you've got the GPS, on, so wherever you take the photo, you can store that and then you'll know where it is in the world if you're scouting locations. It's a great way to keep a data bank of backgrounds and locations. So if you forget uh, to keep yes. a list, you just enter it, uh, you load those images into something like Lightroom and uh, you turn on the location uh, on in Lightroom and it will show mm. you where in the world world like exactly where everything is so that you can go back and find those locations so it's a great way to share locations that is a really good tip yes um not as applicable in my situation because they're all going to be on the same floor of the same building but it's a really good tip i had not thought of that yeah all right great well listeners if you haven't yet joined us on facebook we have a listener community just search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community on facebook and click to join with love to have you in there and if you haven't checked out the gold community at ginamilitia.com which is a wonderful membership program that uh, you get access to gina you get access to tutorials and courses and monthly ask me anythings i also pop in there with ask me anythings to address the business side of photography and it's um it's great fun. It's a wonderful group of people. Just uh, go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. And apart from that, where do we find you online? Apart from your website, of course. So I'm at Gina Militia on Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest and in the Facebook community. And you can also find me in the gold community too, Val. And you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and also on Facebook. So um, thanks for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.